Live from Earth, it's Space Radio. I'm Paul Sutter, astrophysicist at Stony Brook University and the Flatiron Institute. And for the next half hour, your agent to the stars. We've got an exciting show for you today where I am interviewing Tim Crispin, the founder of the Foundation of the Future. Now, this show lives on lists or questions. I'm not going to do this interview all on my own. All right. I'm not, I'll do the heavy lifting, but I need an assist here and I need an assist because this show lives on listener questions. We record every Thursday at 8 PM Eastern here at Spaceman Studios in New York City. So leave a voicemail to get yourself on the air. You can also follow along with our space cadets tuning in live from around the world, including but not limited to Darmstadt, Germany, Washington, D.C., Ontario, California, Redmond, Washington, Cincinnati, Ohio, Go Reds, Halifax, England, Bristol, Indiana, Duluth, Minnesota, Pell City, Alabama, Penzance, England, watch out for those pirates, Howell, New Jersey, and more you can go to spaceradioshow.com for all the links now without further ado you know i love to get right to the guest interviews because the wonderful nancy graziano always wrangles up some amazing guests for us on space radio today i'm joined by tim chrisman tim chrisman was in the army He was in the CIA. He knows things that we don't know. But right now, he is joining us as the author of Humanity in Space and the founder of the Foundation of the Future. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul. That is the best intro I have ever received. Yes! (laughs) That is what we strive here. Interview's over. That's it. I don't Because it's all downhill from here, right? Yeah. Uh, Tim, 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 tell me about the foundation for the future. Why did you found it? There's a lot to be found here, right? It's true. It's yeah, yeah. true. Uh, what is the future and why does it need a foundation? Mm, those are those are profound questions. <laughs> and I'm going to start with the first one, which is why um, I... I always ask the follow-up, which is, do you want the true version or the fun version? The answer is always the true version. Fun. Good. The fun version is one day lightning struck me. I realized that without my action and my action alone in founding a foundation for a future I could not see, that the future would not come. And it what what is the unpracticed fun reason? Hmm? What what is the future that you want? I want a future where space is boring. Hmm. So you you're an astrophysicist. I didn't take physics in college because I don't like math. Uh, Don't like the funny math, the hard math. Um. But until now, everybody going to space or involved in space needs some sort of fancy degree. It has seemed like it's not objectively true, but when we think space, we think billionaire or rocket scientist. And why don't we think welder or HVAC repair person or just dude who is on space radio out of his basement? I'm not going into space. Don't do that to me. Don't put that on me, Tim. 
you don't have to. I'm only doing this because my eight-year-old demanded to go to space Fair. and doesn't want to get a shot. So she said she won't be an astronaut. So, um, yeah. So, so tell me what a boring, like, space is exciting. Like, being in space is super hard and super exciting. What does a boring life in space look and act like? It looks like anybody who wants showing up, plugging in to air, water, power, having a home either available or easily built, and able to actually enjoy, explore, or create the fun that is space. So living, I mean, I grew up in Alaska, and so I know living in mountains and snow is hard when there's no infrastructure there to support you, when there's no roads and power. It's hard. You go 10 miles down the road where there is power and water, it's pretty easy. Space is hard because people aren't there. We don't spend money on that basic boring stuff that we don't think about that just keeps our lives here running. And so when I say making space boring, it's that part. It's the roads and sewers, metaphorically, to space um, so that anybody who wants can show up set up a restaurant, set up a hotel, set up a tourist trap on the moon. Uh, But they have that choice. Wow. Okay. I get it. I get it. So it's like you're, you're trying to build the foundations of life in space. Yes. Ah, so you're the foundation for the foundation for Uh, the future. Hmm. We want to, we're the foundation builders Foundation as the foundation. I love it. So we have a foundation to build the foundation. Got it. How do we do that? How do we get space roads and space truck stops and space 7-Elevens? How how do, how, what do we do? What's the roadmap starting now in 2020? So it's, looks very similar to every other frontier that humanity has gone into there is the early adventurers that have gone and shown everybody how cool it is the wild west the people who crossed the atlantic that's happened apollo the space shuttle that's done so now it is a a partnership between government and the private sector to underwrite some of these basic components, be they space access systems that are reliable, sustainable, and cheap, whether they are stations that uh, allow people to plug and play, or the industrial base here on the ground. Um, There is a ton of innovation in the space sector, and it all revolves around where the customers are right now, But what is needed is somebody to actually create the new, the, the future. What are, what are some of those innovations that are happening right now that really excite you and grab your interest? Single crystal graphene. Tell me more about 
was it single crystal graphene? Single crystal graphene. Way better um, than double or triple crystal graphene. What? What's? Yes. Why should I be excited about single crystal? Single crystal graphene. So, 10, 15 years ago, we heard about graphene when it was first created, um, and it was this cool, ultra strong conductive material that was going to solve all of the world's problems. Really hard to make. All those promises didn't come about. We are now getting to the point where the ability to make the single atom thick graphene is starting to materialize. Rice University has a new process. England's working on a new process. And this stuff can be used in everything from flat screens to airplane shelves. I'm excited about it because adding it to solar panels in orbit doubles their efficiency. Doubles. Adding it to spacecraft hulls helps with thermal efficiency and strength. And finally, with some of these new materials, we now have the ability to create some of the mega structures and super advanced and complicated tools, buildings, and systems that we've talked about in science fiction forever, be they large spaceships or lunar elevators. Tell me more about this lunar elevator idea and why it might be easier than a Earth elevator. And, and exactly what is, what, is, what is this whole elevator thing all about? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the reason for an elevator is the same reason a um, hotel or office building has one. You want to make it ADA compliant, uh, Americans for Disability Act. And so if we want to open the moon for settlement, we need to make it accessible. Um, but in, in seriousness, the, a, a lunar elevator or an earth elevator uh, allows for the movement of cargo from ground to orbit basically free. Um, it's power, solar powered, um, all the, the motors, uh, for the climber cars. And so you can move cargo up and down fairly easily. Um, building something like that on the moon's easier, mainly because the gravity on the moon's less. So the sheer forces on any cable is going to be less. Um, but the reason to build it is that cargo capacity. And in many ways, the cargo capacity down is as important as up because while it's cool that SpaceX can land a rocket that's empty, um, if they're landing at full, that sure looks like a falling missile um, for most of its descent. And that gets awkward for a lot of countries, um, depending on where you're landing this 100-ton Starliner. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it can kind of look like a bomb if you know whoops your words not mine yeah okay i said it i said it i don't run a foundation so i'm allowed to say the words you that go. that you're not allowed to say yeah, so uh space elevator how does what what i understand space elevators the biggest challenge is that you have this massive cable that's anchored or, mm -hmm. or like 
at one end on near yeah. the surface, and then the other is at geosynchronous orbit. And you have the gravity pulling on the cable at one end, mm-hmm. and you have the centripetal fo- acceleration or centrifugal force pulling it on the other, and it all balances out. Yeah. But the cable still has to hold up its own weight, and these things are like tens of thousands of miles long. Yeah. So is single crystal graphene strong enough to make a space elevator cable? Um, more than strong enough. More than um, strong enough. In part because a 60,000 mile strand of single crystal graphene is about 250 pounds. That's not uh, a lot. It's very little. But well, how, how again, thick that's is a that single strand? atom. It's a single right? atom. Yeah, okay. So you weave together hundreds or thousands of those. And it becomes slightly more than 250 pounds. It becomes uh, north of 200 pounds, yes. Um, But each one has a tensile strength about 75% above what engineers tell me is needed. Um, I'm not an engineer, and so I am positive they are overestimating what they need. As Um, engineers tend to do. Yep. And so when they tell me it is 75% over the tensile strength needed, that tells me I can basically run a a cruise ship up this and it'll probably be fine. Fascinating. (laughs) Uh, One of the other challenges with space elevator cables is uh, perturbations from like... uh, like from the orbits of the planets and passing asteroids and, and like the wind, I understand that's not a problem on the moon, but, but even something ascending up the cable can set up perturbations that, that grow with time and amplify. And then the whole thing's whipping around like crazy. Oh, what are some solutions to stabilizing these kinds of things? I don't know. All right. Uh, Well, that's why we need a future. Yeah, and uh, we need people smarter than me handling that engineering work because I should not be trusted with that. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, So what are some other things like, but this is a real material, this single crystal graphene. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Has it been used in any applications yet? So single crystal has not. um, And that has been a function of the cost and time to make it. Um, the, um, the polycrystal graphene is used in, I think almost every Ford car made over the last two years. Um, a lot of tires are getting stuff like that. It is a additive in a lot of materials, uh, to lighten things while keeping them strong. Um, okay. And, so- and that, and that, that really kind of brings, brings home the metaphor of what we're looking for and how this is working because the just like graphene has become kind of an additive to things we're looking for both everyday people and the federal government to to link up and whether it is on the public side in people volunteering to be part of this space workforce or the government putting up capital to help develop it, we can we can start to build a sort of cohesive whole that's better than either of us on our own. 
Speaking of a cohesive whole, there's a new administration coming in this January. Uh, Let's say you get to have a sit down with president elect Biden and he, you get, you get five minutes of his time. What do you, what do you talk to him about? What are you going to ask him for? I'm going to ask him to back the creation of space corp. We've, already asked a number of Congress people to support this. And this is a infrastructure development corporation focused on space. It, it is meant to bridge the gap between Space Force doing the defending and NASA doing the exploring. And here on the ground, we've got a dozen federal agencies involved in infrastructure in making sure roads, albeit badly right now, are kept up. And in space, we just assume NASA will take care of it. But so long as we assume that, they can't accomplish the amazing things that they're chartered to do. And so my message to him when I sit down with him is, we need something more. What got us here isn't going to get us there. We have an economic crisis with people out of work, and we've got a peer competitor in the form of China. In the Great Depression, we formed development corporations like the Tennessee Valley Authority. And when we were challenged by the Russians, we formed DARPA. Now it's time to form a hybrid of the two and kickstart the economy in space and get people working there. Because politicians like President Biden and others have been saying for decades they care about blue-collar jobs and workers like that. But now we have an opportunity to provide sustainable paths for those people who work in space with little to no retraining needed. If we have stations in space, we need welders that can weld on the ground or underwater or in zero-g. Um, there's, it's very little in, in the way of difference between what they're doing. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges to achieving those goals over the next uh, five years, 10 years and moving forward? What are the, what are the big roadblocks? Uh, the biggest is space isn't real for most people. When I talk about space to friends, to congressional staffers, and the media, the immediate reaction is, whoa, you're talking science fiction. Or, yeah, yeah, come back to me in a 100 years when that's real. When in fact, we've had people living off world continuously for two decades. Like, that's wild. That's, but that's real. Um, And so explaining to people that these space ideas, whether they be stations, commercial companies landing on the moon, are tangible things we will see soon, it's blown off as crazy rantings. Um, And so that is the biggest challenge in the short term. The biggest challenge moving forward is going to be how do we put the rules in place to make sure we do this right this time. Every other time we've gone to a new frontier, 
we made someone suffer. How do we make sure that doesn't happen again this time? Right. And as someone who indulges in the occasional crazy rant, I I feel your pain. (laughs) Uh, We have a question here from Larry Beckham, one of the space cadets. Uh, The foundation seems to focus on American efforts. What about international efforts? Yeah. So the, our American focus is in part an artifact of where we live. Sorry. Um, in part because the American political system prioritizes what helps Americans. That said, our proposal, and we're very upfront about this, both in talks and with Congress, is for a corporation that can have international as well as private sector buy-in. We can't do this alone And we is not just the foundation, not just America. Um, Everything we have done as a country, we're better when we do it with others because there's better ideas out there than what we have. And we need to incorporate those. Absolutely. Absolutely. Coming from a science background, there are so many powerful international collaborations where no one country really leads uh, science research in any significant way there's just lots of money from lots of countries and lots of scientists from lots of countries all trying to get it done Uh, tell me about your book humanity in space uh just i i presume that listeners and viewers of this show will want to read it uh, but just in case they haven't heard of it why why should they read it um well the the first reason is if you like knowing the future this will tell you the future. Um, It is a space age cave drawing of experiences that humans are going to have in space over the next hundred years. I said earlier, I'm not an engineer, um, but I do like reading science and technology and engineering topics, if only because I like trying to figure out why the fancy word was used instead of a simple one. And the book grew out of a email I would send weekly about some article I would find about space where I translated it into a story about a person in simple words and then gave a technical explanation. And so the book is just a collection of short stories of people that are fictional living what would be a real experience in space, whether it's dealing with how blood flows in zero G or the time lag in communications. Um, And then there's a technical explanation about why they had that experience using the smallest words I could find. I I love it. I love (laughs) it. We've got another space cadet question here to wrap us up. Uh, You're speaking a lot about jobs and employing people, you know, putting welders and plumbers into space to to build that infrastructure, to make it happen and to support it and sustain it. But what about the role of automated manufacturing to create space vehicles, to to help build space colonies and living and working in space? Surely automation is going to play a big role in that. Oh, absolutely. Um, And... Our robot overlords, I hope, forgive me, but uh, 
we need that automation to go first, uh, to set up the colonies, to do the hazardous labor, to as much as possible, take the danger away from humans. But at the same time, those robots need maintenance. And until we perfect systems like those, we're gonna need human hands with human ability to adapt, innovate, and overcome. Yes, because eventually we will be fighting robots in space. Yeah. I think that is the true future. Uh, Tim, before we go, one last question. What's your favorite kind of cheese? It's cheddar. Cheddar. I love it. I love it. I love a good cheddar. Now, are you a sharp cheddar kind of guy? An extra sharper sharp? the better. Sharper the better. Yeah. Now, there are some yellow varieties and uh, like whitish varieties. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where you fall on that debate. Um, 18 month extra sharp white cheddar. 18 month extra sharp white cheddar. I love it. That is a very, very strong cheese selection. <laughs> uh, Tim, uh, your foundation for the future, it is a 501c3. Uh, where can people go to donate uh, to make a gift for Christmas? So go to climb2.space. So climb like you're climbing up the number two. The number two. Dot space. Dot space. Climb to space. You can donate, volunteer to get involved see our conference series blue marble week um and uh yeah check out all our uh, wild crazy and ambitious ideas i love it the more wild crazy and ambitious ideas are out there the better for everyone i i celebrate the dreamers I also rant about crazy bad ideas, but I also <laughs> celebrate them and I appreciate you your work, Tim. Thank you so much Thank uh, you, for Bob. coming on Space Radio. All right, so that was Tim. He's a cool guy and he's doing cool stuff. And, you know, I was, I got hungry. I don't know about you guys. I got starving. Think about the future. Just makes me hungry. So please, Space Cadets, keep sending those questions in. Uh, We've got a few minutes left of today's show, but I got to introduce today's cheese. Now, you know me, folks. I love cheese and I love puns. And this has both because I am introducing to you formage. Get it? Formage is the French word for cheese. There are four kinds of milk inside this cheese. And yes, this cheese is brought to us by our friends at Dom's Cheese Shop. That's D-O-M-S cheese.com. They do order. It's not too late to order a gift box for yourself or a loved one. Uh, Nancy knows. Nancy knows what their gift boxes look and taste like. And so she can personally, personally vouch for the, their quality. Uh, just go to their website, domscheese.com. Uh, call them up, send them an email, say you want to uh, get a box shift. So I got, but I got to try this formage. This comes to us from Holland. It is a mix of pasteurized sheep, cow, goat, and buffalo milk. And it, it has a pun. So it's already one in my name because the name is a pun and it's a French pun and it makes it even better. It's just how. More cheeses. This is going to be delightful. Like, I love, like, Quattro Formaggio. Oh, wow. It's softer than I thought it would be. I was assuming it would be a hard cheese, but 
smells amazing. There's tiny little air bubbles in there. Oh, this is going to be good. I already know because once you mix this many milks together, now what's so interesting is the texture. You know, it has a combination of textures because a combination of milks. So, like, it's a little bit crumbly, but then also a little bit just, okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Now, this is, as you can imagine, it's an incredibly milky cheese. Very creamy. Very nutty. Much nuttier than I thought it would be. You know, that's probably the, the goat going on in here. But then sheep, so it's like it's like you're eating like feta and cheddar and goat milk and mozzarella all at the same time. It's amazing. It's like four cheeses wanting to get together and have a party in your mouth. And they're all celebrating like someone's birthday. That's a really good cheese. That's a really good cheese. Listen, this is going to be our last episode of the year, folks. We're going to take a little hiatus for the holidays, for Christmas and New Year's. We'll be back in 2021, which is the future. But when we do it, it will be in the present. So we'll no longer be in the future. It will be in the present. And there'll be more future to go. Folks, if you're looking for last-minute holiday gifts, I do have my autographed books, How to Die in Space and Your Place in the Universe. I have mugs and t-shirts that say, if it's interesting, it's probably wrong, which is, you know, the catchphrase of the show. You can go to Dom's Cheese, get a gift from them. You can donate to Foundation for the Future. You can buy Tim's book, Humanity in Space, as a gift. Please do all of that. You know, buy from buy Tim's stuff first before you buy mine. But uh, everyone, have a great holiday break. We will see you in 2021. Thank you for an amazing, amazing and transformative year here on Space Radio. I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you for all your contributions on Patreon, patreon.com slash Sutter to keep supporting this show. Can't, uh, thank you so much to Nancy for doing all the behind-the-scenes work, booking our guests, wrangling space cadets, doing the back-end production. Thank you so much, Nancy. And, uh, oh, Visto, you're still waiting on a copy of the book. You should have ordered from me and got an order of copy. You'd have it by now, but you said you had to go to Amazon. Okay, that's that's your fault. That's all on you. And everyone, thank you so much. We're going to see you again in a few weeks. Catch the live stream every Thursday, almost every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Go to spaceradioshow.com for all the links. And, of course, thank you again, Space Cadets, for listening. See you next week. And remember... Science is for sharing. End of transmission until the future. Ah!